Praise God. Let's pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over every principality and power, over every ruler of darkness, over every wicked spirit in the atmosphere that in any way attempts to hinder anyone in this place or that is listening or it will listen from receiving the word of God. I loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. In the name of Jesus, I loose the spirit of ministry. I command that the word of God have free course. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Jesus' name. Uh, Brother Wilson preached my message yesterday morning. And you're not going to believe how much of what Brother Woodward talked about last night is. In fact, I'm going to be saying some things that he said exactly like he said them. I sat there and, boy, Lord, you're awesome. This is echo. And I, and I saw the, sat there and listened to him and I thought to myself, Lord, you are truly desperate for us to get this message. You're desperate for it. So without taking any further time, I will say this, if you will permit me to put it this way. If you listened to or were a part of the message last year, praying from God's perspective, there is nothing I'm going to say today that is contradictory to that message or that intends to replace that message. That is the other dimension of prayer. It is learning how to let the Spirit of God pray through you in tongues and various flows of the Spirit. Out of his singular belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. There are many different flows of the Spirit flowing that flow out of us in prayer and ministry, and that's what was talked about last year. So please understand that I don't have the time today to go into that again. So if you're interested in that, which I consider the priority... Uh, if there's a priority between the two, that one and this one, but they're both very important because they're very different. What their purpose is, is very different. So if you will uh, read with me, please, Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. Again, I've got several verses to read, uh, but you have to get the context of this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, I'm going to be reading a long time. If you guys want to stand, you're welcome to it, but I'm, I'm reading a long time, okay? <laughs> I, I appreciate your willingness to be uh, respectful of the word. Praise God. Uh, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When, and when thou hast shut thy door, now this isn't in any way contradicting praying as a body. Because when two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst. And when any two of you agree as touching anything on earth, you shall have it of my Father which is in heaven. So he, he does communicate corporate prayer. 
I've taught this many times. Individually, we are sons of God. Collectively, we are the bride of Christ. Who has more influence with the the head of the house? A son or the wife? So there's a different dimension altogether when we get together and pray. This is not what Jesus is talking about. Chapter uh, verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. That also is not talking about what I'll be speaking on today. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask them. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgot, forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't know very many people that believe that literally. Because we Pentecostals that are professionals at holding grudges. It doesn't bother us to ask God to forgive us. But buddy, we're going to make people pay that's wronged us. That's a different subject. That's enough. Chapter 6 verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal nor steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. The light is the eye, light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy, thy whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll see he will hold to the one and despise the other ye cannot serve God and mammon therefore I say unto you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on so if I'm praying for something to eat or praying for something to wear Praying for something to drink, I'm doing so in unbelief. It's pretty pl- plain, folks. You mean I can't ask for that? Sure you can. And you can shout to God, I don't trust you, I don't believe you, I don't know, I don't believe you know what I need before I ask it, so therefore I'm just making sure you haven't forgotten. Which we're professionals at. Praise God. <clears throat> It's not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You think the birds pray for food? Who feeds them? Aren't you better than the birds? Which of you, by taking thought, can take six inches off your waistline? 
And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? See, I wasn't being mean, I just quote scripture. It's unbelief. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So he said, don't use vain repetition. That's how the heathen pray to their gods. Because when they've carved a god out of wood or stone, they, they inherently know that that God can't hear. So they try to talk a lot, hoping that changes something. He said, don't treat me like an idol of stone or wood where you're constantly repeating what you're saying. Then he says, don't treat me like the Gentiles which have no father. And they have to seek their own food and raiment and shelter. You have a father. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Here it is. You ready? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be. You don't seek for additions. You don't even think about the additions. You do what you're called to do. And he adds what's needed. Is that not what the Bible says? Then why don't we believe what the Bible says and practice it? Hmm. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself sufficient unto the day of thereof. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The word first there in the Greek has two connotations or, or actually denotions to it. First is first in order of time in your day. Not after I get cleaned up, have something to eat. Not after I take care of my initial to-do list. First means you roll out of bed praying. First. First. No matter what you're doing or have to do. Y'all leave it to your interpretation. You're praying. First. First in order of time. First in order of priority. If you have a to-do list that does not have first and foremost on that to-do list, pray, you have an unscriptural, unbiblical to-do list made by unbelief. Do you think God's going to order, going to honor anything on your to-do list when you don't even do first his to-do list? (laughs) 
I'm really, really honestly, I'm not a bad guy, really honestly. In fact, people that know me one-on-one think I'm a pretty nice guy. Focused, yeah, but, you know, I love God, I love people, and I like to laugh. I really do. You may not think so, but I like to. I really do. Honestly, I do. I have an apology to make. Uh, For quite a few years in this meeting, the stuff I was talking about was so anti-tradition that there was just constant opposition. But over the last four or five years, there's been very little opposition to the stuff I've been teaching. And, uh, of course, we've got 70 new families here, right? So you don't know me. Oh, yeah, we know you. No, you don't know me. And uh, there is a positive and a negative to being sensitive in the spirit. Because you not only sense what God's saying, you sense what people are saying back to you. You just do that with what you believe. But I not only hear what God says, I hear what you're saying back to me. And most of the time, most of the time, uh, the, the Lord, as I've gotten older and <laughs> more focused on him, uh, I have been able to resist that. But yesterday, I, I got blindsided and reacted before I even thought of it. The comment about uh, the ring, somebody, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure I know who it is, and I don't know you, but I'm pretty sure I could point you out if I had to, uh, said you don't have any business teaching about holiness. You're wearing a wedding band. And uh, flesh, not God, reacted to that. And I deeply apologize for that. I mean that sincerely. It's not my job to defend me. I deeply, I honestly deeply respect those that have a, a true Bible-based conviction over not wearing a ring. I have no respect at all for those who would wear a ring but don't want to take the heat for it. I don't have any respect for you at all. For the person that has a true, deep, personal conviction against wearing a ring, I have great respect for you because you've based that on the Bible and whatever, I have a problem because my conviction is not to let evil, my good be evil spoken of. And if you and your wife, brother, are coming to our church to preach and you're checking into the hotel where we're paying the bill, okay, and you, you don't have wedding rings on, that hotel believes that you're shacking up in that room. You can say, well, that, it's not true. They don't care because you have given an appearance of evil and they believe you're shacking up. Now, this Maryland's not the Bible Belt, you see. They may cut you slack in the Bible Belt. But they don't cut you slack in Maryland. They're heathens. And heathens have a tendency to be really brutally honest. Okay? And when we first went to town, and my uh, we had been evangelizing, and my wife didn't wear a ring. I didn't wear a ring. Uh, because I don't like them. Literally. I don't like anything on my hands. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second. So, I, um, 
my wife, we'd been there a little over a year. My wife was expecting. She went to the doctor. And the first question they asked her is, do you know who the father is? She came home and told me that. I said, you go in your drawer. You get that ring out. You put it on right now. Don't ever take it off. Well, I didn't wear one. So for our 25th wedding anniversary, I said, what, what would you like for me to give you? She said, would you give me what I want? And like any husband, it's always two or three steps behind his wife. And we all are. I said, well, of course I will. She said, I want you to wear a wedding band. So I apologize. Right? I don't apologize for saying things that are truth that the Holy Ghost has told me to say. The purpose is not to con- condemn. The person is the purpose is not to criticize. The purpose is to challenge you to think. Thinking objectively is not a favorite pastime. In the body of Christ today. And examining what we believe and teach in the light of the word of God. Even though Paul said, examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. To make sure you're not reprobate. And what's a reprobate? Somebody that's believing something that's tradition that has no biblical basis for it. When you equate our customs to the word of God, you got a problem. Now, you're okay as long as you live your convictions. But when you take your convictions and make them doctrines for everybody, you are now preaching traditions, and tradition makes the Word of God a none effect and makes your worship vain. And just in case you think I'm throwing the whole thing out, I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody here that believes that a woman can wear any garment, outer garment that divides the legs. I got book and you can't defeat it. And not only that, you know, we preach about the ladies and, and, and I, I've got a 150 page document going verse by verse, keyword by keyword, uh, on hair proving that not only is it unbiblical to even trim the dead ends, but that it's very clear on a man's hairstyle because the scripture uses the word, the actual word for uh, figuratively, the word for a garment as covering for a woman. But when it says a man's hair is not supposed to be covered, it just uses the preposition down, meaning that if any any part of your hair hangs over your natural hairline and covers any part of your head where hair doesn't grow, you're praying with your head covered, brother. Now, we preach about the ladies, but you look at some of our brethren's hairstyle. They got, they must put it up every night or something. I don't know. So, so that, that's, that's simply the point I'm trying to make here is 
we make assumptions, you see. I'll go toe-to-toe on, on the doctrines of holiness. Now, I've got convictions. I don't preach to our church. I, I don't believe that the face should be altered in appearance whatsoever. That's the place that the glory of God's supposed to shine. And just because you're not wearing lipstick and not wearing eyeshadow doesn't mean you're not wearing makeup if you altered your appearance. Oh, you didn't know I was a flaming conservative, did you? I'm not a, I'm not a conservator or a liberal. I'm a restorationist. You know what a restorationist is? Somebody that wants to return to what the Bible says. The way the Bible says it. Not the way we practice it. Hallelujah. I don't know what I get into all of that, but whatever. Praise God. Well, I do know why I did, because I had direction to say that, so I'm not apologizing for that. I hope I said it kind enough that you didn't feel like I was judging you, because every man's servant stands or falls to his own master. When you stand before the throne, my face won't be on the one sitting there. And thank God when I stand before the throne, your face is not going to be the one on the one sitting there. Right? Praise God. So what I want to talk about today is kingdom praying. And uh, we're not just going to talk about kingdom praying today. We're going to pray kingdom praying. But give me a few moments to build a little foundation here. Okay? We've already, we've already demonstrated in these verses that the Lord gave very specific instructions on how to pray and not pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you. So, let's go, let's go to the, the passage that we think is a parallel passage. It's not a parallel passage at all. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as, as he was praying in a certain place, when he stopped, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now notice the different scenario. Matthew 6 is in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. He taught those things to a multitude of people. And so the the basics of prayer there were general guidelines. Some do's, a bunch of don'ts. And what the priority of prayer is supposed to be. In this passage, he is answering a request by his disciples To teach them to pray. And can I say that they were implying like you pray. Because they had heard him pray on many occasions. He had just been praying. And when he stopped praying, they were in such awe of what they were experiencing in the presence of God. They said, we won't pray like that. Teach us to pray like that. So, 
Can, do you see the context now? What is about to follow is an answer to a request by disciples, teach us to pray. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A very close inspection and comparison of Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13 with Luke chapter 11 verses 2 through 4 will find they are not exactly the same. And the purpose of that, I believe, is that the Lord was trying to get across that He was wanting them to pray principles, not repeat specific words. But He didn't stop there. Notice, He's still teaching prayer. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are, are with me in bed. And we say, what? Well, they didn't have bedrooms for the most part. They just bedded down in the sleeping area. So when he said, we're, that my children are in bed with me, that didn't mean they were all on the same mattress. Everybody had sleeping pallets around the room and he couldn't get up and go to the door without disturbing everybody where they were sleeping. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, what is about to follow is written in the same, in the context of explaining what he just discussed. Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If you'll permit me just one moment for, uh, for context sake, I'm going to go to my uh, app here and uh, let's get up here. I want to read to you what, what uh, Jesus just said. Uh, in the Amplified, verse 9, So I say unto you, ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given you. This is in the context of explaining or taking the principle of importunity and just moving it into application. Ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be opened. It's not pitching spiritual pennies in a spiritual wishing well and calling it prayer. For everyone who asks and keep and keeps on asking receives. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. Now, the, the point here is <laughs> that he is saying to you that 
I'm not going to respond specifically just to a single request. Why? Because we have to talk God into doing what he doesn't want to do. It was his idea first. Because we have to talk God into giving us what we need. He said he already knew what we needed. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the example we have with Daniel. Who prayed 21 days. And didn't know why he didn't get the answer. And the angel shows up and says, God heard you the first day. But there have been demonic beings who have been resisting you receiving your answer. So while you didn't know you were doing warfare, your persistence allowed warfare to go on. And get this. Even though he didn't know he was doing warfare, his importunity, his persistence, his asking and keeping on asking, seeking to keep on seeking, knocking and keeping on knocking, actually brought down the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. That's what the angel said. Because God heard you and he's trying to answer you. And while he's trying to answer you, the prince of uh, uh, media has rose up against the answer getting here. So Michael, your prince. Well, that's, I like that right there. He showed up to fight for you. What does Daniel know? Nothing. God didn't give him a clue. He prayed 21 days and never felt a thing. He never he prayed 21 days, didn't see a thing. But he had, the Bible says, I set my face to seek God by prayer and fasting. That meant I, I came to a place of certain resolve that I was going to pray until something happened. Let's do this for a moment. You want to know why Cornelius is such a great guy in God's eyes? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. uh, Acts chapter 10, obviously. Verse 1. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a Roman army officer. Now here's flesh. Flesh, this is carnality. The first Gentile to get the Holy Ghost was an army officer. And it was a sailor that preached him the gospel. Okay, that's enough of that carnality. Let's go forward now. Verse uh, verse 2. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. That word pray there in the Greek literally means this. To pray as binding oneself. To pray in such a way as to say, okay God, whatever's required, whatever's needed, I trust you, I believe you, and I know you love me, and I know you want to do this, and whatever the reason, it's not happening right now, I will not give up, I will not stop. 
stop praying. I will keep praying. And whatever you require of me to be able to receive this answer, do it. We pray and we'd like answers as long as it didn't cost us anything. As long as it doesn't cost us anything. And I'm not talking about bargaining with God. You can't bargain with God. Lord, if you'll forgive me, I'll never do that again. That's an absolute lie from the pits of hell. And it's absolutely contrary to scripture. You can't make such a promise. You have no power to make such a promise. You have no ability to make such a promise. And you can't bargain with God. And he's already done everything he needs to do to forgive you. If you can't receive it as a gift, you're not getting forgiven. But that's us Pentecostals, you see. We try to buy God off. I believe people have gone on 40 days fasts that are, that are of God. But I've heard, I've had some people say, well, you know, I'm on a 40 day fast. And then immediately my spirit says, oh, so you think God's going to do something for you just because you fast 40 days. You're going to end up bitter, disillusioned. Because God is not going to be coerced. Nobody's going to twist his arm. If God tells you, Daniel did not set out to fast 21 days. He set out to get an answer from God however long it took. Mm. Let me go back to my scripture here. Verse, uh, now I'm going to go on. Okay. Now here's a, here's, here's, here's another point we got to get. I have been blessed unworthily, um, and because we're all unworthy. In fact, the Bible says, what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, why are you boasting about it? Everything you brag about, you're taking the credit for getting it, or God giving it to you because you've done something to be worthy. We're going to pray all night, every night. Really? Really? I've heard of this so many times. Preachers preaching their people to get up and pray like that, and everybody else goes to work and they go home and go to bed. You know, if you're going to lead people to do something like that, you better stay up with them, or you're not you're not being genuine. You're not. You think God's going to do something for you because you stay up all night praying and just sleep most of the day? Better off sleeping when you're supposed to sleep and stay awake and pray and work. Uh, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here. But if the Lord hurts your feelings, that's between you and him. How about this one? Jeremiah 2.32. I don't know if this is in your notes, sister. Jeremiah 2.32. <laughs> you know why I've got feelings? Because I'm made in the image of God. And if I have feelings, he has feelings. See if you feel any feelings in this. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride or a tire? Yet my people have forgotten me. 
days without number. Oh, but I pray, brother. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the clock out. <laughs> I never pray without my iPad. Because I want to be able to look up anything he quickens to my mind. And I want to be able to make notes. Because if you don't make notes, you're going to forget it. And I want to make notes of everything he says to me. So I can go back and study it or follow through on it. And as soon as I make a note of it, it leaves my mind. I go on. But let me tell you what. It's really easy to get involved checking your email while you're praying or checking your, checking the weather while you're praying or the ball scores. It's really easy to do that. I'm not pointing fingers at you. There's four of them pointing back, you see. The reason I know it's easy to do that is it's happened. And then I have to. Ask him to forgive me and go on, you see. Right. So, uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but how many of us that do pray just put in some time? There's no urgency in our prayer. There's no focus on our prayer. There's nothing we really want. We're just fulfilling our religious obligations. And you think that doesn't still qualify as my people have forgotten me days without number. That, that verse is actually a result of earlier verses in that chapter, chapter two, verse nine, sister. Again, forgive me. I, that came after I sent the email to you. Jeremiah chapter two, verse nine. Wherefore, I will plead with you. I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. And with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see, send unto Kedar, and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. What, what's he talking about? Who hath bewitched you, O Galatians? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by self-effort? By human ingenuity? By intellect? You got saved by the spirit. If you got saved, you got saved by the spirit. You had to completely yield to God to get the Holy Ghost. You began in the spirit. What are you now doing trying to do all this for God? You see, we have our Pentecostal preposition. That's totally unbiblical. Bring me your verses. I'd like to see them because I've looked for them. There's no place in the Bible where it tells us to work for God and live for God. How about the verse that says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He doesn't want you to live for him. He wants you to die and let him do the living. He doesn't want you doing the work. Paul said, all of this ministry, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I'm not quoting or paraphrasing it. All this ministry I do, I do because of the grace of God that's at work in me and through me. Do it just a little bit of research on what the Bible says about eloquence in the pulpit. 
and find out how much of how repulsive that is to God. And we're in a day and time where eloquence in the pulpit is our first priority. If we can't have power, let's have eloquence. If we can talk pretty enough, we can mask the fact that we don't have anything really to give. And we're, as the man of God preached last night, and we're no echo. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Maybe, proportionally speaking, the most educated man to ever preach the gospel. An expert in the word before he ever got saved. And he said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Why? So that there would be a demonstration of the spirit and power of God through my ministry. So your faith and confidence wouldn't be in me. But in God. You know, it's bad enough in the world, does it? When the church of the living God is doing, where preachers are, 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 are have become the, the, the stars and pe- preachers have followers. I despise the term. And it's not my fault I'm on Facebook and Twitter. It's Greg Godwin's fault. July 4th weekend, 2013, he said, are you on Twitter? Yeah, you use it? No. Why? <laughs> what good is that? He said, don't you have anything to, to say? I said, nobody wants to hear what I got to say. He said, I dare you. <laughs> but then he said, don't be like some of those people that tweet four, five, six things a day. Just tweet once or twice. There's some folks here that know, don't you? And let me tell you the secret. All those individual tweets, they're combined together as a post on Facebook. Because I got frustrated with 140 characters. And I said, look, if I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach where I can write all I want to write. So I got on Facebook and then, and then I got, that thought came to my mind. It wasn't my idea. I said, Is, you know, I think there's a business page where I can talk and I don't have to listen to people talking back. I tried to contact you on Facebook. Good luck. I don't do Facebook. I preach on Facebook. Period. So I went to one of my guys. I said, can you help me get one of those business pages? Yeah. So, called it apostolic iron and we now have we had over 455,000 likes up until just the last couple of posts and I lost a few Muslims so this morning I was down to 454,600 something but I had my first post translated into Arabic a couple of months ago posted it in Arabic on the Facebook page and you can go look it up no, no evangelistic here. 3.2 million people read that Arabic Facebook post. And it's all Greg Godwin and Jesus' fault. Seriously. So Jeremiah 2, verse 
9 says, Hath the nation changed, or 11, hath the nation changed their gods which are not, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Oh, by the way, I don't read that stuff out of a book someplace. You know why most of that stuff posted in the morning? Because it comes during my prayer. The Lord has the audacity to interrupt my prayer with that stuff. And he won't leave me alone till I post it. Then I can keep on praying. So if you don't like it or you do like it, give him the credit. If you don't like it, give him the blame because I'm just being an echo. Listen to this now. Okay. Verse 12. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two... What? evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water now it's okay to start out as a vessel a container because we're all filled with the holy ghost and the word filled automatically implies a specific quantity. And we go to church to get filled again. And we pray to get filled again. And it is important to get filled. When people pray through in our church, it has been our standard practice for 46 years to lay our hands on their head till we hear them speak in tongues every chance we get as often as we can for months and months after they get the Holy Ghost. This one-time thing is not enough. It wasn't enough for me. Why should it be enough for them? I want them to learn how to do that. So it's good to be full. But these people became so vessel or container focused, they made their own vessel. They hewed themselves out cisterns. And the thing with the cistern is the hole in the ground. You pour water in it. And the only way the cistern has any water is you pour it in through the mouth, through the opening. You can only draw out what you put in because there's no source. So we come to church and have to get refilled because we don't have a source. We don't have a relationship with God that enables there to be a source. He said to the woman at the well, if you drink of the water that I shall give you, it shall, you will never thirst again. It shall be in you a well of water, a fountain of water springing up unto everlasting life. So the Lord said, the first thing my people have done, they have forsaken me, the one who is willing to give them a perpetual source of living water inside of them. In other words, they're a conduit. That's all a well is. Water comes in, water goes out. The well is a conduit. He said, my people have forsaken the opportunity to be a conduit for me. And all they're focused on is getting full again, over and over again. Because life takes it out, and you got to come to church to get it put back in. And life takes it out, and you got to come to church to get it put back in. And it's the ridiculous cycle that proves there's no growth and no relationship with God. I don't know. I'm not a Greek scholar, honestly. I don't know why they didn't translate it this way. 
But if you look at a uh, an interlinear Bible that has the Texas Receptus, which is the received text that the King James was translated from, not one of these modern texts that most of the modern Bibles are translated from that leave a lot of stuff out. If you look at the interlinear, here's what you're going to find. There are three words in that in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 14 that weren't translated. I don't know why. But it says this. Here's the literal Greek here, okay? Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, give him, shall never thirst again for this world. Because you see, I'm supposed to be hungry and thirsty for Jesus every day. I was, Paul said, I've learned how to be full and empty. I've learned how to, to be, have my thirst quenched so that I don't want the world and how to always have this constant thirst. More of you, Jesus, Jesus. I hear more, 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 more. I gotta move on here. Okay. James chapter five, verse 13. Is any sick among you, any, any, any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any married, let him sing psalms. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anoint him with all the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If you have committed your sins, then they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man works. It works. Prayer works. Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly one time, Lord calls it the rain and it rained. This is not, this is not a new converts class. How many times did Elijah pray for it rain? Seven times. I'm so sorry, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, I love you, man. Yeah, it's good for you. <laughs> See, because the next time you say, you'll make, you'll go back through your computer bank really quick and check. How many times did he pray? The point I'm making here is this. How many times did Elijah pray? He kept sending his servant. What's happening? Nothing, 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 nothing. Finally, on the seventh time, I see the cloud, a cloud the size of a man's hand. He prayed. He kept on praying. The same guy that prayed, the, the implication from this would be, he didn't pray just once for it not to rain anymore. But let's go, oh, Jesus. You see here, did he do that because it was his magic show? What was the motive for him praying like that? You know why we, you know why we don't have more people healed? Brother, yeah, well, I do believe it's the, it's the day of miracles. But the problem is, we want all our miracles to happen behind closed doors where they can entertain us. One miracle on the street is worth a thousand inside a church building. You know why we're not seeing more miracles? We're praying for the wrong people. Because most of the time, we just blindly, just, just knee-jerk reaction, trying to pray off of somebody, something God put on them, if they're a child of God. And hopefully, we're not persistent, and we don't pray it off of them till God's done with it. 
But that sinner, the Lord wants to confirm the word of God to that sinner. Well, but they, but they may not live for God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they may not give themselves to the Lord. He prayed for thousands and healed thousands that never got, that never actually got saved. I don't want to be them in the judgment. Hey, Thomas, he said, blessed are they that believe without seeing. He expects us to believe it without seeing it. But he's more than willing to demonstrate it for them because that's the only way they're going to believe it. I don't like that. That's right. That's that me first Christianity stuff. If this isn't all about me, if he's not doing all this for me, then I don't like it. You know, I said yesterday morning, you can believe what you want to believe. But once you're ever a home missionary, you're always a home missionary in here. I don't see myself like the big wigs and the blue bloods. I see myself just like you. I've always seen myself just like you. Because that's who I am at heart. That's why in 46 years, we've started 27 autonomous home missions work. And today we have 17 Sunday morning daughter works. Oh, and we're really weird. We've divided our Sunday night church into three locations now. What are you doing? You ever heard of trying to reach the lost? Where in the Bible does it say for the world to come to the church? It says that we're supposed to take the church to the world. You know what? If you've never been in Washington, D.C. or Baltimore, Maryland during rush hour, you don't know anything about traffic unless you live in L.A. or someplace like that. Or maybe Houston. Because there's a whole bunch of people believe that song going back to Houston. Just look at it at rush hour. They're all going back. Let me tell you what right now. When sinners drive an hour, an hour and a half, one way to work every day, five days a week. You think they're going to drive an hour to your mega church? You might be able to do that in the country. And God bless you and God bless those folks in the country that have to drive an hour to get to a grocery store. So they'll drive an hour to go to church. But they're not doing that in a metropolitan area. We got to take the church to them. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I got to move on here. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Mark 11, verse 12. And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came. If haply, not happily, haply or by chance, he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. <laughs> there what shouldn't have been any figs on it. Except that the Logos made flesh was hungry. That was its offense. And Jesus answered and said unto it. He answered it? He answered a tree that said nothing more than I don't have any figs. That's what the fig tree said. And he answered the fig tree's statement. 
and said unto it, no, more, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Skipping down to verse 19. And when he, when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. I don't remember how many days it was. It was, it was at least 24 hours. It might have been three days, whatever it was. The point is, when he said that, you couldn't see anything happen. Because the curse started at the root of the problem. And the roots are hidden. Those roots died the moment he said it. But it took a while for that death to work its way all the way up through that. And we speak things that are happening in the spirit world where you can't see it. And we give up because we don't see anything. And we don't realize. it's if You, you don't want to start it from the end tips of the, of the branches back. That's what flesh does because flesh wants to see it all. But when God does something, he starts it at its root. But you got to keep believing. And Peter calling to remember saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest. He cursed? He said, yeah, this is cursing. There's no fig going to grow on you the rest forever. That's a curse. Profanity and cursing is not the same thing. That's why we curse one another all the time and never use one word of profanity. Because we speak evil of anybody that doesn't all, dot all our I's and cross all our T's. Yes, sir, buddy. But by the time we get this thing divided up to where the people that are saved are in our little group, there ain't much left but us. Because anybody that doesn't all, dot all our I's and cross all our T's is lost. You know, the, the Lord's really old, so he must be getting feeble. Because really, did you see the people in Revelation 2 and 3 he called the church? He called that bunch of apostolics in Ephesus who had the doctrine down pat but didn't love Jesus anymore. He called them the church, even though he told them, I'm going to pull your candlestick out of its place. He called the church of Sardis. That had a name, it was alive, but it was really dead. He called it a church. He called that bunch of full of themselves Laodiceans that were only interested for themselves and what they had, what they could get out of all of this. He called them the church, even though he told them they were going to be judged if they didn't repent. See, we don't really believe the Bible, do we? Nah. Oh, praise God. You know what? If I just stick with the subject, it'd be easier on all of us, wouldn't it? <laughs> Verse 21 again. Peter calling and remembers, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto him, Have faith in God. For verily, the word verily there, used at the beginning of a sentence is the same Greek word that's used at the end of a sentence we translate amen. When you start a sentence with the amen, it's verily or truly. When you end the sentence with the amen, it's it is so, let it be so. Same word. It's an affirmation of the truthfulness of a statement. 
He either preceded it with it or ended it with it. For verily I say unto you, okay, what is he affirming now? He's affirming the statement, have faith in God. He's about to explain to us how to have faith in God. Whosoever saith, whosoever prays and asks God to move this mountain, it doesn't say that. Isn't that the way we practice it? Isn't that the way we pray? Echo time. What did the man of God say last night? Hallelujah. Anybody here hurting? Anybody here? You in pain? Are you? Stand up, sister. Please. And I'm going to pray for her with unbelief. Okay? Jesus, my sister's sick. Would you come and heal my sister right now, Lord? I need you, I need you to come do this, Jesus. I need you to heal my sister right now. Jesus, I ask you. I'm keeping on asking, Jesus. I'm asking you to, you to heal my sister. You in pain? Yeah. You're in pain. Yeah. I'm going to pray in faith. This is faith. That other's unbelief. Because that's the way we pray, of course. That's why we don't get anything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over this condition. I bind it in Jesus. <laughs> I bind it in Jesus' name. I command you to loose this body. I loose this body to be whole. In, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We receive it from you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But we're sincere. We mean well. That's the way we've always seen it done. Isn't God going to have mercy on us because we're doing it the way we've always seen it done? Even if it's contrary to his word, isn't he going to have mercy on that sick person? Have you never heard the statement, God doesn't respond to need, he responds to faith? You can pray all you want, but if you're praying in unbelief. If God's promised it and I ask him to fulfill the promise, I just proved I don't believe the promise has come to pass. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.18, by the prophecies that went before on you make war. A prophecy is an utterance of God. That's what a rhema is. Rhema and prophecy are synonyms. So therefore, when God gives you a promise, it's for you to use it as a sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema, not logos, the rhema of God. That's what I'm given a promise for. I believe you, Father. 
I believe you. I bind every hindrance to this promise come to pass. In Jesus' name, I loose the angels of God, the Spirit of God, to go forth to fulfill this promise. In Jesus' name. Now, you can pray like the heathens. You can pray like the denominal world. You might even get something from God if you screw your face up. It look pitiful enough. He, he might do something for you. Don't you feel sorry for me, Jesus? That's not very kind, Brother Wright. No, that was kind. That was so tempered, you have no idea how tempered that was. God have mercy, that was a miracle right there. <laughs> hey, hey, we all do it, we all do it. Oh Lord, your joy is so wonderful, I'm so thankful for your joy. Really? You, you got joy? You look like you're in horrible pain. I'm not trying to be unkind, but let's get real. You're the light of the world. People are supposed to look at you and want what you've got. I said they're supposed to look at you and want what you've got. I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. Therefore I said to you, whatsoever things you shall desire when you pray, believe it, you receive them, you shall have them. In other words, Jesus just required saying with praying. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall receive, but shall receive those things uh, which he saith shall come to pass. He shall believe that those things which he saith, he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, Therefore, just connected the two. He just equated saying with praying. I got to go. Okay. Very quickly here. My time is flying. I realize the height of this presumption. If If this is flesh, I realize it. God have mercy on me if that's what this is. But I'm going to teach you how to pray. And and it's my way. And he may give you a different way. And that's okay. But I start my day with positioning prayer. I'm giving him thanks. And I do sincerely give him thanks. And and at 70, you trust me, every day I give him thanks for life and health and strength every day. Praise God. And other things that I appreciate so much. But Paul, in every one of his said grace mercy grace and peace be upon you from the father even the lord jesus christ to the three epistles written to humans he added something grace mercy and peace so every day this is what i pray i pray first of all uh, we love him because he first loved us so i i receive your love today i'm not asking for it's already given i'm receiving 
I receive your love today, Father, because by your love is the only way that I can love you with all my heart and soul, mind, and strength. It is only your love that gives me worth so that I can love myself. So therefore, because your love gives me worth, I can now be a conduit for you to love my neighbor through me. Say that. Usually in a whole lot more detail than that, but we're summing it up here, okay? And then after I, I all of that is positioning, positioning prayer. And so then I pray, I receive grace, mercy, and peace. And usually I pray them each one. I receive grace today, for without you I could do nothing. So Father, I receive grace to work in me both the will and to do of your good pleasure. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. By your grace, Father, I'm a part of you. I'm a part of your life, a part of your plan, a part of your purpose. Wherever you're going, I'm going. Whatever you're doing, I'm doing. I'm yours. I don't belong to me. By your grace. You pray that every day. To some degree. Usually much more than that. But just hitting high points. Don't have time for any more than that. And mercy. And the Bible says his mercy is new every morning. So I'm supposed to pray this every morning, aren't I? Not afternoon or when I finally get around to it. Just because it's mercy in my eyes open, I want to pray that pretty quickly. Not after I go through all my ritual. I receive your mercy today, Father. And if there's specific things that I am consciously aware of, I repent of those individually and I receive his forgiveness. And if I don't, Lord, search my heart for any secret sins. I receive your forgiveness today because I cannot do this myself. And then, oh, here it is. I receive peace today. Father, by your grace, I humble myself before you and cast all my cares upon you today. And that's where I pray for me. And all I do is cast, 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 cast. Because the God of peace is gonna, is going to bruise Satan under my feet shortly. So I gotta have peace for the God of peace to bruise Satan under my feet in this prayer meeting. And I'm putting on the gospel of peace, you see. Because your, your, your shoes is what gives you traction in the battle. That's the only way you can stand in the evil day. So once you've done all to stand, if you don't have peace because you haven't been casting, you haven't done all to stand. And don't, if you cast it and then take it home with you, you're a liar. That's hard, isn't it? That's, that's probably too hard. Yeah. You got a whole lot of flesh that needs crucified. You know what that word cast means? It actually comes from the Greek word balo. What do you do with a ball? You don't hand it, well, you got, I guess, in boring, well, not boring, whatever. You can hand it off, but I like the aerial game, right? I like the deep bomb. Right. I like to see the ball in the air. And when you cast it, you, when, you, when you let that ball go, you, you're throwing it far enough away you can't get it back. Laying it on the altar. I lay this on the altar, Lord, and I'm going to lay this here while I pray, but I'm taking it with me just in case you're busy. Cast it off. Let it go. Whatever the outcome, Father, you know what's best. However you deal with this, whatever you do with it, I trust you. You're my Father. 
I give this to you. 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 Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't mean to be unkind, but there's some pride in the house that doesn't like that. And God resists the proud. God is the enemy of everything you're trying to control. He resists the proud. And pride is trying to be in control. And humility is casting your care, giving up control. And God is the declared enemy of everything you're trying to manipulate and control. So when you hold on to something, you're asking God to fight against and become the enemy of what you're trying to make happen the way you want it to happen. Because let me tell you the thing about casting. It's so amazing to me. Everything he fixes through casting is something I would have never thought of him doing. I couldn't have asked for that. It never crossed my mind to ask for that. His way of solving the problem I cast is always far better than anything I could have asked him to do about the problem. Cast. 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 Okay. The next thing I pray, and I'm not going to go in much into this. This is personal, but I recommend it. If you have authority, and you don't have authority, if there's nobody in your life that can tell you no and you have to listen. Well, I'm a member of the United Pentecostal Church. I'm submitted to that. I'm a district superintendent. I'm calling you a liar. Because the district board has no authority. We got enough authority to protect the UPC. We don't have any authority to protect the preacher. Because the only time we can deal with you is, is, is after you've stolen, after you've committed adultery, after you've changed your doctrine. And we do that to protect the organization. We can't cover you. We don't cover you. We have no authority over you. So if you haven't purposely sought out somebody that can tell you no, and you don't, and don't tell me, well, I've got somebody. When's the last time they told you no? And those, those unfortunate fellows that have said God wanted me to be their authority, they get an opportunity occasionally to see if they're submitted. You do that on purpose? Well, yeah. Why? Because I need to mark them off my prayer list. I don't want that bear a responsibility that I have no way of being faithful with. So I pray something along this line every morning. Father, because of your love and by your grace and with the authority that you have delegated and imparted to me because of my bishop, Lord Jesus Christ, rests upon me. With his authority, I speak the word of authority as a covering over every preacher and his family who is knowingly or unknowingly submitted to this authority. I pray a, a covering of authority over every church and ministry that these preachers are responsible for. I pray a covering of authority over every saint and their family that's a part of those churches. I pray a covering of authority over every geographical area those churches and those preachers are accountable to you for. I pray of a covering of authority, Father, over every backslider in their family, every 
and their family, every unborn soul of the womb of the church and their family in those geographical areas. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose this covering of authority. To provide for them salvation, protection, provision, blessing in the battle, strength, refreshing. Now, if you're the pastor of a church, hopefully you've got authority and you're not usurping authority because you don't answer to anybody. If you're not praying a covering of authority over the people, a covering of authority over the people you're responsible for every day, you're leaving them uncovered and protected. If you're the head of a house and you're not praying a covering of authority over your family every day, every day, well, I get around to it. Oh, so it's okay if you, with you if there's hours of the day they're uncovered. Oh, praise God. And then as I said, I'm going on. Then as I said, there's, there's this, uh, all this praying in the spirit stuff that I talked about last year a long time. And I won't do that today. So, here we go. Kingdom praying. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. After this manner therefore pray ye. Now listen carefully. I asked you yesterday, I'm asking you today, do you believe the Bible? Okay. Now let's examine that faith and see if it's really faith. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the verb pray, according to the complete word study dictionary is or Bible, is in the present imperative active tense. Listen to what that specific tense means that was chosen by the by Jesus to express his word to his disciples. In the active voice. It indicates a command to do something in the future which involves continuous or repeated action. The active voice represents the action as being accomplished by the verb. And the subject of that verb is ye, you. And note also that having the word, the Greek word for you there, is for emphasis because the Greek tense of the verb reflects you Without having to put the other word. So when the pronoun for a verb is included, it's always included for emphasis. Pray you. In other words, this is in the tense of command. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't if you get around to it. It was if you. Believe in me and you're faithful to me. These are the things you will pray about every day. The verbs in this prayer are all tense of command. Not, they're not written as something we're supposed to ask for. He didn't tell me to pray these things and ask for them. He told me to be a conduit for him to command. <laughs> Isaiah 45, 11, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye.
me. That's what it sounds like. But as the man of God says last night, for instance, with the keys of the kingdom, the Greek is literally this. And you can find both the Amplified and Weiss Expanded Translation that translate it pretty much like this. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. Now, now, Brother Wright, God doesn't need us to do this. Really. In both instances, in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, he told us, as the third element of this prayer, to pray for his will that's already purposed in heaven to come into existence in the earth. Now, why would a God that could do it all by himself command me and you to pray that every day? Because he is the only one who has the authority to limit himself. And he has limited himself to not do anything except through human agency. So the old fallacy, false doctrine that God is sovereign and I can sit back and do nothing and he will do it is a lie from the pits of hell. And maybe the good Baptist folks can can believe that doctrine. But when you preach Acts 2.38 where a person can repent, by themselves, they can receive the Holy Ghost by themselves, but where it takes a human being to do the middle one of those three, and a person cannot be saved, we believe, without being baptized in water by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and a dead man can't bury himself, you believe that God cannot save without a human being involved. And so you think that God's going to work in the earth without humans being involved as the conduit and the agency for praying his will and purpose into the earth? <laughs> Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why? Because we're made in his image and death and life is in the power of his tongue. This uh, prayer is divided into two parts. First, first and foremost, the stuff that doesn't necessarily directly benefit you and I at all. It all benefits God. It's all for God. It all benefits God. Yeah. Hallow your name. That's King James for sanctify your name. Sanctify his name, yes. Don't you read the Old Testament where the Lord said, my people have profaned my name among the heathen? It's bad enough when the heathen profane his name. But when the people of God live in such a way that that profanes the name. I can't go through all of this detail, so I'm just going to have to get with it. <laughs> the name. I like this. I'm going to read this part. United Bible Society translates handbook. 
Testament says concerning Matthew 6 and 9. In the, in the Bible, name is often a substitute for the person spoken of. It is a way of referring to God as he has revealed himself in history and it indicates the very presence of God himself. Hmm. And we're supposed to pray, hallowed be thy name. When I've got, when I've got the time and I love when I've got the time. Where I could just take my time and let the Spirit take me wherever He wants to in either in each one of these. The, the other day, I, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it, but I got this concordance app, and it's really easy to follow. And it, and when you touch it, you, whatever, it brings up the whole verse. And so, I just put the word name in for the New Testament, and I prayed every verse in the New Testament in regards to what it said about the name. What Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, I have manifested thy name in the earth. Thy name, through faith in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man, Peter said. Everything you do in word and deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. At the, he's given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under, under the earth. And it should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, to the revelation and manifestation of God the Father. Thy kingdom come. Jesus said, when I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God's come unto you. Thy will be done. The will of God's equivalent to the word of God. It's all that is pre-planned in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. It needs to be loosed into the earth. Then we get to pray for ourselves. Not... No. In this chapter where he made such an effort to talk, tell you and I we don't need to pray for food. Why in the middle of this prayer would we be told to pray for our daily bread? Because the easiest way to defeat an army is to cut off its supply lines. And you're not praying for your food. You're praying for the resources of the kingdom to be supplied. The men, money, and materiel necessary. Fulfill the purpose of the kingdom. And then we pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sinned against us. Right? That's for us. No, no, it's not. Because Paul said, when you forgive, you forgive so that Satan doesn't have an advantage over you. So if you're in battle, you don't want to give the devil any advantage. So I loose the grace of God on people and the spirit of the fear of the Lord on people every day. That by the fear of the Lord, they admit, and the spirit of the Lord would reveal every grudge that we're denied. It's just hurt. It's not offense. It's just hurt. I don't have anything to do with them. It's just hurt. It's not offense. It's not a grudge. It's not bitterness. It's just hurt. I can't think of them. And if their name comes up, I don't have anything but bad to say about them. But it's not an offense. And you're not forgiven. Because if you don't forgive, you're not going to get forgiven.
There's only two things that makes a warrior vulnerable. Grudges and unrepented sin. So what you're doing there, you're not praying for you. You're praying for the protection of the warrior. Oh, and lead us not into temptation. <laughs> Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So, I usually pray, and you're going to hear it in just a moment. I'm going to pray an abbreviated version of this. You can join me if you like. I pray for the grace of God to empower me to be crucified with Christ today so that according to Romans 7, I can be dead to myself, therefore dead to my flesh, therefore dead to my lust, which means I won't be led into temptation. And the world will have nothing to use as a weapon to get me to be tempted so that I can, will sin. And the evil one is evil is actually... The Greek formation that means actually evil one. So when I pray that one, I'm praying, Lord, I receive the authority that you've given us to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you promised that nothing by any means would hurt us. I rebuke every weapon that's formed against us. You promised it would not prosper. Every mouth that's opened against us in judgment, I bind that mouth because that's my heritage and my righteousness you. And I, I, I command that the evil one in his kingdom be delivered into my hands. That I be delivered from them and they be delivered unto me so that I can bind their kings with chains and their princes with fetters of iron. Because that's my honor as a saint of God. And then finally that last part, that may be the most important part. That's the motive check. It's not in... Luke 11, it's in Matthew 6. It's the motive check. For thine. Praying all this, I'm doing all this, not for me, but for you. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Now, in all of that, as the Lord leads and I have the time, I do binding and loosing as the Lord and I also uh, pray in tongues through all of that as the Lord leads back and forth between English and tongues. As when it's me and I'm able to do that by myself. And I love that. I love it. I love it. <sighs> Brother. You sitting there saying, well, I ain't never doing that. No, you, you won't be doing that. And when this explodes for everybody else, you're going to wonder what went wrong. Because it ain't happening for you the way you've always done it. Because it hadn't happened for you the way you've always done it up to now, has it? I'm not trying to be unkind. You can, you can fold your Pentecostal traditional arms at me and you can say, oh, doing that i don't believe any of that that's fine I, it's not my problem i didn't write it i'm not the one that commanded it and you don't have to answer to me but the king james is not divinely inspired 
Heresy. I know, I know. I know the Bible wasn't written until 1611, was it? The Bible's only divinely inspired in its original languages. And we've got some great, great King James Version doctrines. Like believing in baptism for the remission of sins. When that Greek word is almost always translated forgiveness of sins. And I spent years trying to explain the difference between remission. When there is no difference. Not in the Greek. There may be in our King James Version doctrine. But not in the Greek. So the bottom line is this. You dear ones. You've come to this meeting. 70 families new this year. I don't believe you came for a free vacation. I believe you came because you're hungry. The question is, do you want what God wants enough to do it His way and not the way you've always done it? Do you believe the Bible enough to find what, to believe what the Bible says and do it the Bible's way, not our way, not the way we've always done it? So when I start, I'm just going to do this here and we'll go. Just got a few minutes left. When I start, when I say, our Father, our Father which art in heaven, those words for me confess everything I taught yesterday. That my is sitting on the throne of the universe in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, the, who is, who is far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, every name of his name. Not only in this world, but in the world which has become. And that he has put all things under his feet. He's the head over all things to his church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. I confess that when I say, my father, our father, which art in heaven. I just confess that I'm a part of the body whose head is already sitting in heaven. And I, and I say, and I, by your grace, I yield myself to be a conduit. For you to pray your prayer through me today. To pray for your things. Praise God. Praise God. And it, it you can join me and, and pray whatever it is you feel to pray. Or you can just sit and listen. That's all between you and God. But I, he wouldn't let me do this this morning. You take that any way you want to take it. I know what I'm talking about. Because he wanted me to do this right here. And this is going to be the super abbreviated version of it. Right here. Father, as a part of your body, and with the authority that you have given to me, as a part of your body, in the name of Jesus Christ, as your conduit in the earth, I command that the name of Jesus be loosed into the earth in manifestation. That the name of Jesus be manifested in salvation, in forgiveness, in protection, in protection, in provision. I command that the name of Jesus be manifested. <laughs> that the name of Jesus be manifested in authority, in power. I command that the name of Jesus be manifested, that it might be glorified and magnified in the earth, and that you might reveal yourself.
through your magnified and manifested name that your name would be sanctified in our hearts and lives I command in Jesus name that at the name of Jesus every knee is going to bow every tongue will confess in heaven and earth and things under the earth that you are Lord that you are Lord that the Father might be glorified manifest and revealed in you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I command the kingdom of God to come into manifestation in the earth today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I come I, I speak grace mercy and peace from the Father even the Lord Jesus Christ upon the people of God today upon every person that you claim is yours father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I loose the kingdom of God to be manifested and demonstrated to confirm the word of God as it's preached in the name of Jesus by signs and wonders and miracles by healings by deliverances by outpourings of the Holy Ghost in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I loose the angels of God and the spirit of God to and gather together a harvest for the name of Jesus by the authority of the kingdom I command every laborer that you claim is yours to be thrust out into the harvest whatever it takes father send them forth into the harvest whatever it costs us send us into the harvest name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus and before we go on as you will as you feel to do this is a good place to do some binding and loosing because these are keys to the kingdom name of the Lord Jesus Christ I take dominion authority over the spirit of iniquity that works in the church and in the world I bind the spirit of iniquity the spirit of disobedience the spirit of rebellion I command you to loose the people of God loose the backsliders I command you to loose the sinners in the name of Jesus I loose the angels of God to go forth as hunters and fishermen to draw backsliders back to you to draw sinners to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I bind the spirit of religious tradition I bind the spirit of idolatry I bind the spirit of of witchcraft I bind the spirit of the occult in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I loose the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness in the name of Jesus I command that a soul that is blinded by darkness be loosed I loose the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ who is the image of God to shine in their hearts. I bind the spirit of jealousy. I bind the spirit of envy. I bind the spirit of strife. And by the spirit of competition in the body of Christ, I command it to loose us. I loose the spirit of biblical humility. I, I loose the fruit of the spirit to be manifested in each of us individually and in the church. I receive the gifts of the Spirit for the body of Christ that the body of Christ might be edified and that the sinner might have the word confirmed in the name of Jesus.
I loose the will of God as it's already purposed in heaven to prevail in the earth. I loose the forever settled logos in the earth to prevail and to rule in the earth. I loose every plan and purpose of God to come to pass in the earth. I loose the wisdom and counsel of God to be fulfilled in the earth. I command that every rhema of God come to pass. I command every oath that God has made including and especially the oath that you made to Abraham to come to pass in the earth. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord upon every saint, upon every sinner, upon every backslider, upon every unborn soul of the church. I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord upon us that we would depart from evil. I loose the spirit of conviction upon us that we would recognize sin as sin. I loose the spirit of repentance upon us that we might repent. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm binding, loosing stuff the scripture says. Every day, brother, right? I'd been doing this a while. The devil said, that's just repetition. And before I could even respond, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, No, it's your responsibility. I have given you the responsibility to pray my purposes, my plan, my will in the earth. It's your responsibility. And then, <laughs> I have to confess, most of my time in praying that all is taken up in those three things. But to, I've got to move on. Go. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke the devourer. You promised, Lord, that the treasures of darkness are ours. You said that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and silver under the hills. I bind every spirit of mammon, every spirit of pride that tries to control these things belong to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I command all the resources necessary for the kingdom of God to do the work in the earth that God has planned and purposed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command these resources to be loosed. I command these resources to be loosed to every man of God that has proven faithful with finances. That he would trust God with finances. That he would use them according to his own will I loose these resources in Jesus name that the kingdom of God would have all the resources necessary to, to preach the gospel to every creature in the earth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ
I loose the spirit of grace, the spirit of conviction, the love of God upon every heart, saved and unsaved, that you would reveal to us, God, those things that are truly grudges that we're living in denial for. I loose the grace of God to empower us, to work in us, both to be willing to forgive and to enable us to forgive. Those grudges were against you, God, against other people, God, or grudges against ourselves. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command that we forgive. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that every door of access to Satan, giving him advantage in our lives, would be closed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I loose the spirit of grace, the spirit of conviction. I loose the spirit of the word of God in the name of Jesus to bring us into agreement with the word of God that we would acknowledge every sin is truly being sin. That we would acknowledge that our sin is against you, against you only, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, empower us. Grant us repentance. Grant us, by your grace, the ability to repent, to change. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that every door of access close to Satan, that we might be faithful warriors, enduring hardness and surviving and having victory through you in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the grace of God to empower us to be crucified with Christ so that it's not us living but Christ living. So that the ministry we'll have is not ours, but the faith and the ministry of Jesus would flow through us as a conduit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By your grace, Father, help us to be dead, that our lives can be hid with Christ in God, that you alone and you will get the glory, that by your grace we will not be tempted to touch your glory and take the credit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are our deliverer. Paul said you deliverer you deliver us from this body that we have been prisoners to and subject to and by being crucified with you jesus set us free from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that this world would not be able to have impact upon us that we not be led into temptation but that we be faithful with you by your grace empower us to walk in the spirit and live in the spirit that we will not fulfill any lust of the flesh Father, by your grace we receive afresh and anew this morning the authority that you have given us to tread contemptuously upon every serpent and every scorpion and over all the power and authority of the enemy. And you promised that if we would tread and take authority over the enemy, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind every weapon formed against the church and command that it not prosper. Father, all authority in heaven and earth belongs to you. 
There's no governmental official that has authority that didn't come from you whether they know it or not. There's no military person. There's no policeman. There's no banker, no businessman husband, no parent that has authority that didn't get it from you whether they acknowledge it or not. I curse every use of your authority in a way that's contrary to your will and your word. I curse every effort to use the authority that you have delegated for order in this earth being used to try to hinder the word of God to stand against the word of God using your own authority to do it I curse every effort I loose the angels of God and the spirit of fear of the Lord upon every individual in this earth that's using authority that ultimately and truly is yours father nobody else owns that authority but you and you don't give it away I loose your spirit and your grace to bring an awareness to them that they're using your authority unrighteously in the name of Jesus. And if they will not repent, I curse them. I curse their efforts. I curse their family. I curse their home. I loose the angels of God to rise up against them. That the name of Jesus might prevail. That the kingdom of God might prevail. That the will of God might prevail in the earth. No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. No mouth that opens against us in judgment will go uncondemned because that's our heritage. And our righteousness is not our own, but it belongs to you, Jesus. And I can, even as you told Paul, to deliver them. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I command that by the grace of God we be delivered from the evil one and his authority and power. And I command that the evil one and his authority and kingdom be delivered in our hands. That we might bind their kings with chains and their princes with fetters of iron. That's our honor. You've given that honor to all saints in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind every spirit of fear in this now from the devil. I bind every every individual that's entertaining that spirit of fear right now. In Jesus' name, I command you to be free. I command you to fear God, not the devil. And now, Lord... Because you love us by your grace. Because all of this is of you, from you, for you, by you. Search our hearts. Search our spirits. That there not be one even small of self, a promotion of self in any of these prayers, Father. That it's all for your kingdom. It's all by your power. That it's all for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all for you, Father. It's all for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. You've got to be sensitive to the Spirit when you're praying like this. There will be days the Lord will take you into intercession. There's another thing that I pray a part of this. In the name of Jesus. It's from Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. And, and the Lord's added a little. 
to me actually it's a little bit of explanation I pray for my own clarity so that I'm speaking exactly what I believe in the name of Jesus I command the spirit of grace and the spirit of prayer be poured upon your people father the spirit of supplication the spirit of intercession both warfare and travail I command that the spirit of Pray, come upon us in Jesus' name, that we will desire to pray, and that we, and that you will empower us to pray, that you will empower us to put your kingdom first, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Does that sound like ritual to you? The devil's a liar. I have never prayed that prayer the same way twice, ever. But I promise you, I've prayed every element of that prayer every day. It's not ritual. It's my spiritual responsibility as a person who has been born into, not the church, into the kingdom. It doesn't say... Except a man be born again, see the church. Except a man be born of the water and spirit, he can't enter the church. That's the way we practice it and preach it, even though we don't do it consciously, maybe. The church and the kingdom are not the same thing. The church is who we are. The kingdom is what we do. But we're trying to do church instead of do kingdom. We're doing church instead of doing kingdom. But I've been born again so that I can see the kingdom. I've been born again so that I can enter the kingdom. I realize I didn't give you this, but then I'm closing with these verses right here. Psalms chapter uh, 63 verse 1. This is the reason my firstborn son was his name David. Because every time... I call his name. I'm confessing this right here. I mean that with everything in me. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. To see with my eyes. In manifestation, thy power and thy glory, as I have already seen it in my times of fellowship with you in the sanctuary. Oh, I'm seeking you, Father, that I might live to see in manifestation what you've shown me in my spirit all these years. It's not enough, Father. To see it in here. I want to see it with these. I want to see it with these. Would you just join, stand and raise your hands and join me? Would you pray that prayer in your own way? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.